Welcome to the What Matters Most podcast, presented by First United Bank and Trust. That's my bank. Visit us today at mybank.com. Hello and welcome to What Matters Most, a podcast all about finances, community, savings, and security for you, your family, and your business. This podcast is brought to you by the helpful folks at my bank, First United Bank and Trust. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, What Matters Most is Fraud Prevention. And for this discussion, I am thankful to be joined remotely today by Eric Goff, Vice President and Fraud Officer at First United. Eric, how are you, how are you doing this morning? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. I appreciate you joining me today. How's, how's your summer been? Uh, pretty good. You know, just kind of uh, working around the house a bit and um, just enjoying the sunshine. It's been a great summer, so I can't complain. Not too much rain. How about you? Yeah. Oh, uh, excellent. Excellent. Nothing to complain about here. It's been fa- fabulous. So, well, it's been a little while since you have joined us on the podcast. So if you don't mind, uh, why don't you start by reminding our listeners a little bit about your background, what your role is there at First United? What is a fraud officer and what, what do you do? So, yeah, Eric, I, you know, I started my career here as an auditor and migrated into the fraud area. Um, as fraud officer, I'm responsible for, you know, mitigating uh, the risks to the bank from outside um, fraudsters. Uh, also trying to protect our customers as well as the bank's assets. So, uh, you know, I work a lot with the front line uh, and call center. Um, all these calls are routed, you know, through my department. Once we have any kind of fraud, you know, small or large, it comes our way. And we have uh, we have procedures, of course, to to remediate this. And um, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's just a it's every day is a different day and is a different uh, different project, it seems. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I mean, our topic today is about fraud prevention, but but let's let's kind of lay the groundwork and why should we be concerned about fraud? Like what how prevalent is it? What are you seeing? Um, you're seeing it on a daily basis. And I'm sure, like you said, no, no day is the same as the, as the last. So what are you seeing and, and what what should we be concerned about? Well, I think, number one, what we should all be concerned about is the fact that none of us are safe, I, I suppose. I think it's not a matter of um, if you're going to be impacted by fraud, but a matter of when. Um, I see a lot of people of all different types, whether they're professionals, um, blue collar workers. It doesn't matter. Uh, everybody's susceptible, no matter how old you are, how young. There are different channels of fraud. Um, you know, with the younger folks, we see most of this occur with social media. Um, and with the with folks here that are a little bit older, um, it tends to be phone calls and, and some of those older school ways of contacting our customers. Um at the end of the day, though, the results or the I guess the mission of the fraudsters is the same. So there's not much different on our end what we need to do, just different ways to mitigate this fraud and to get the word out to our customers. Gotcha. So what, what are some of those mitigation ways? What, what are the best ways you can protect yourself? Well, I think for customers, um, probably the best way to protect them and the best way for the bank to protect itself is really through talks like this, just educational resources. Um, I go out and I present a lot to the community. Um, I'm called upon, you know, from businesses and other civic groups just to come out and have conversations, just making people aware of what fraud is, um, what the telltale signs are, what they should be looking for in their daily life, and uh, just trying to educate, just trying to make people aware. I think that's the biggest thing. when I came into this position, I'll be honest, I was very naive. I did not understand um, all of the different types of fraud, uh, but little by little, I picked this up. So I do not blame anybody for being a victim. 
Um, again, you know, these folks are very, very sophisticated in their attacks and they have their target markets. So um, give us some examples, uh, if you could, of, of what some of the things that you're seeing that that maybe would trip up someone um because like you said you know you, you you don't blame anybody from for getting caught in some of these because they are getting so sophisticated these days um what what are some good examples that you've seen uh that people should be aware of well i think number one the first thing that people should be aware of is um that phone call they get from their bank asking them for specific information whether it be social security number any kind of personal information um, that the bank should already have about you. People need to know that the banks already have your social security number, your date of birth, your mother's maiden name. Um, your account numbers. Account <laughs> numbers. We, we have everything. So there's no reason that we would call and ask you for that. Um, the only time we're going to ask for that is if you call in because we have to challenge that person on the other end of the line to make sure that we're talking to the customer. Right. Um, but otherwise, we're not asking for that info. Well, and, and usually even when we're asking for it, we're asking for confirming it, not the full number, like give us the last few digits, not the full information. That's correct. And unfortunately, at this point, you know, um, through through the Internet, the use of the Internet, a lot of these fraudsters are able to get a lot of information on our customers. Um, you know, all you have to do is type in your own name to Google and you will find a bevy of information about yourself, your date of birth, maybe some of your relatives. Uh, so it. It's very, very important that, you know, at all costs, if you get that phone call from a bank asking for information, that you politely hang up or say thank you, but I'm going to hang up and I'm going to try to call back the number I'm, I'm familiar with and, and talk to the bank directly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What other things are you seeing out there? So I, I guess the biggest thing, the, the number one way that I see uh, consumers um, get defrauded is through uh, credential sharing and kind of going back to what I just said, we have uh, fraudsters that are making phone calls to our customers. They are able to spoof our phone numbers. So spoofing is where you basically call from one number, but you make it appear as if you're calling from uh, a different phone number. And what these fraudsters are able to do is spoof um, call center phone numbers. So when the customer sees that ring on their uh, on their caller ID, they're seeing a call from First United Bank. So yeah. it makes it very, very difficult. And again, that's why we understand that customers can get fooled by this, but we're trying to get the, the word out um, that under no circumstances do you give out any information until you call back and you make contact with someone directly at the bank. Right, right. Well, and that that spoofing can come in in forms as well as just personal. Uh, you can get phone numbers calling you that seems like it's somebody that you should know, or it seems like it's a friend's number or something. Um, and uh, I know personally, I've, I've had several people call me saying that my number called them and, that's right. and it wasn't me. And so that, that's a, that's a terrifying reality we live in. Uh, Eric, I had a customer, I swear to you, probably about three years ago, she told me that she got a phone call from her own number. Oh gosh. <laughs> so yeah, and I don't know how often that happens. I'm sure that was a you know big coincidence, but yeah, I mean, it, it makes it very very difficult to to defeat these fraudsters when they have that access to you know to this new technology. Yeah. So, but it seems like the the fix or the the solution in this case is always just be skeptical of pretty much any time somebody's asking for something that would be sensitive information or money. That's right. And it feels uncomfortable to be skeptical with someone on the other line that you think is trying to help you. But 
at the end of the day, if they're not a fraudster, they're going to be very understanding and they're actually probably going to be happy that you challenged them a bit and that you're going to do the right thing and call your bank back. Right. Right. So what else uh, are you seeing? You mentioned earlier about social media. Are you seeing um, what are you seeing in the way of social media? Because I, I think that a lot of people probably have this notion that fraud or fraud attempts are geared towards or targeting older people or maybe less technically inclined people. But you were mentioning that social media is a is a path that a lot of younger people are getting frauded, uh, defrauded through. Yeah. And, you know, realistically, younger people were just not as sophisticated about banking. Um, you know, they've not had the life experience. So what they've grown up on, which you and I basically, you know, that was introduced to us a little later in life. So we do have some skepticism. These these kids are not skeptical at all about social media. Um, they get on here and, and they're looking for, uh, you know, things like work from home you know, like opportunities, which I'm sure there are some real work from home opportunities out there in social media, but I would say I would uh, try to stick to a more traditional way of finding employment um, because we do see a lot of those work from home scams. We also also see a lot of romance scams. And if you don't mind, I'll break those down just a little bit. Yeah, sure. Kind of what we're seeing, the way it works. So, and I'm going to go back to credential sharing to kind of pull this all the way, you know, back and, and take it full circle. But the, the way we see most of our fraud occur with younger people is that they are contacted by a fraudster who convinces them to give them their credentials. Uh, and that, that can be, you know, basically, Hey, we're, we're seeing some activity on your account. Uh, we're going to send you a code, which all along the customers sending themselves their own code. Then, and then they need to share that code with the fraudster so they can essentially take control of their bank account. Um, and by doing so, they get into their online banking. They are sending checks, phony checks uh, through mobile deposit, or they're going directly into their account and they're sending off Zelle payments. They're they're opening up Zelle accounts, sending payments. All the while, our customers locked out of the out of their online banking. So, from that's that's one way that they're infiltrating. Um, and then it goes right back to the work from home scams. Hey, we're going to we're going to get this information. We've gotten into your bank account. We're going to deposit this check. When you see the money in the account tomorrow, you're going to need to send $700 of that to whatever retailer to purchase um, you know, equipment for your office, your home office. So, we've seen that several times. Uh, the customer, they don't even see the check being deposited. They think maybe it's a wire transfer. Uh, when we see the checks, a lot of times these checks are from, you know, just uh, just consumers or they're from a business that makes no sense. Um, I had a customer yesterday that told me they were going to work for a, a company that's local to our area and the check came from a, an individual. So they didn't even see the check. They thought it was a wire transfer. Um, beyond that, romance scams, these romance scams are, are really um, prevalent because of course, you know, a lot of people go on social media to, uh, you know, get on dating sites. They're mm -hmm. just looking for love. Yeah. Looking for love. And, uh, which, you know, I can understand that. And they, they meet someone online. And, um, what we've seen is that these romance scams will go on quite a bit of time, sometimes months, uh, even years, but usually about a month before the fraudster starts asking for money in some way. Um, and that usually that should be the that should be the telltale that you have fraud. 
Um, a lot of these scams are pretty much identical. I mean, it usually starts with somebody that's in a war-torn country that, you know, cannot receive money on their own, that has to go to their commanding officer if they're in the military. Um, so the money is being diverted to someone through a wire or a check. Um, and the money almost always is to go to, you know, help someone get an operation in their family. So it's kind of the same, the same line uh, uh, that they're giving these people. It's just maybe a different country or some different circumstance. Um, and if it's not, you know, something related to somebody being, uh, you know, in the military, then it's a business venture. So uh, it may not be romance. It may just be, hey, we have this business venture for you. Uh, we want you to invest in our in our business and you're going to start, you know, selling our product. And again, it's just like a work from home scam. So social media is probably the the area that we see most young people get um get caught up in, but we also see older folks too, because a lot of people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, they are also uh, heavy on social media at this point. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. It feels like they're, they're, they're always preying on people's, you know, heartstrings. They're pulling on their heartstrings to try to get the, get them to fall for something. And that's, that's unfortunate. Um, How often are you seeing these kinds of things? Uh, I deal with romance scams probably, I would say at least weekly, but I would say they're going on daily. Um, I couldn't even, I couldn't even forecast how many of our customers are currently in a romance scam. Um, we do know that when we have conversations with them, um, it's very hard to convince them to, you know, that, that this is a scam. And, you know, I heard someone say it before. I think it might've been Mark Twain, but uh, he said, you know, it's easier to fool a man than it is to, convince a man that he's been fooled. And that is so true because, you know, I listen to some of these fraudsters. I, I see what they've, you know, I understand what they're telling our customers and it makes no sense. But when I come in to intervene, they do not believe me. And I have tried everything. I mean, I used to be a salesperson. I was pretty good at my job. Um, I used to, you know, be in the top ranks at my old, old company in sales. And I cannot sell one person on the fact that they're being defrauded until it's too late and they realize that they, they have no more money. Unreal. Uh, so Eric, we've talked about a lot of different um, fraud schemes and tactics that, that the fraudsters are using to kind of defraud our customers or, or, you know, or the bank um, and uh, ways to, to, to kind of protect ourselves or to be skeptical of um, so that, so we can help mitigate some of that. Um, but mostly what we've talked about is related to consumers. Um, what are you seeing in the way of businesses? Yeah, so Eric, that's a good question. Um, at the end of the day, everybody is a consumer, even business customers. Um, but, you know, unfortunately for businesses, while they don't see the volume of transactions, they see a larger volume of cash leaving the, leaving the bank if they do get defrauded. Um, it seems that, that scammers realize now that our digital uh, ways of moving money through ACH wire. Those are a little bit harder to penetrate right. um, because we have a lot of safeguards and mitigants in place. Um, so they've kind of moved back to the old school way of doing things. And that includes going into banks and ask, acting as an imposter, getting fake IDs, um, going out of market so that, you know, the people in the bank that they deal with wouldn't know who they were, were anyway. And uh, <clears throat> unless we challenge them, you know, we don't know either. And, and that can cause a big problem, but the biggest form of fraud we're seeing right now, what the bank is dealing with, what all banks are dealing with in the country is uh, check fraud. 
And it's not just the traditional, you know, making up a fake check. Um, it's, it's actually stealing checks out of the mail. We believe that a lot of the blue boxes that you see um, at the U.S. Postal are, are being infiltrated. Uh, there could be even insiders. We don't know. But we do know that um, we've seen a large volume of our checks being lost in the mail. And next thing you know, um, it, it, you're seeing counterfeit checks coming from all over the country. Wow. Um, the problem with that is, is that banks, you know, back in back in the old days, I guess, when you had, you know, a couple hundred customers, it would be easy enough to look at every single check, compare the signature, make sure that the check was in sequence. But, you know, when you're clearing 7,000, 8,000, 100,000 checks a day, if you're a large institution, um, that's yeah. impossible. So that's a risk that the bank's willing to take. There's going to be some fraud expense on the bank's side. What we're asking customers to do, because it can also impact them, is we're asking them to take a harder look at their statements and look at their online banking every day just to make sure that what's clearing is what was intended. Uh, you know, we understand we're going to take some loss, but boy, if we could catch it when it first occurs, we could mitigate, you know, future losses. Um, we do have a, we have some very robust software that looks for uh, duplicate items. It looks for out of sequence items. And we're investing in a product that's going to actually look at different fonts and try to compare just the check image itself and maybe even signature. So it's a huge investment for banks, but it's a necessary investment. And that's the kind of fraud we're seeing most in 2023. And I will tell you that um, if we were to go back and look at my records from last year, we have more than tripled the the check fraud that we saw last year, a number of attempts and dollars. So it's a big deal. And so if I were to tell, and this goes for consumers too, make sure you're looking at your statements, make sure that you're looking at your online banking. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep an eye on things. Be vigilant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah help us help you. Right. Right. So, so I'm curious, like, uh, I'm wondering if, if our listeners may be thinking, so, okay, so a lot of fraud is happening. You said just in the last year, you've seen triple the amount of fraud attempts. Um, and, and obviously you know, the goal is to mitigate or to slow it or to stop it or to to be able to stop the funds from moving from one account to another, just leaving altogether. Um, what gets done after the fact? Like, are the fraudsters being caught or is it just a, you know, we're stopping the bleeding? What what, what happens after? Well, in some cases, uh, they can be caught. What, what we're finding is, uh, and I think this is true for every bank's experiences, that most of the fraudsters are from either the Middle East or they're from <clears throat> India, somewhere somewhere in those regions. Um, they are conducting what I would call state-sponsored terror, mm. uh, you know, on, on the financial sector of the U.S. And their main goal is to bring the U.S. down financially. Um, but at the same time, it creates quite a living for them back in their home countries. I've actually spoken with some of these fraudsters just out of curiosity, and they've had some candid conversations that, you know, hey, we're we're working in a cubicle just like you. We're punching the clock. We get bonuses for what we make. Um, we have families to feed. We're not we're not wealthy. So from that perspective, I understand what they're doing. Still, at the same time, it's frowned upon and it's it's illegal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so unfortunately, we don't have a great record of catching them. The people that you know that we can catch are the what would be the middleman, uh, the person that maybe is the money mule, somebody that's, you know, getting funds uh, from one illicit source and then forwarding it on to the its final destination. Um, we work 
closely with law enforcement, FBI, uh, Secret Service. Secret Service, they're primarily the, the folks that are dealing with check, like these check fraud rings um, and, you know, and wires, things like that. Anything that's interstate, the Secret Service seems to be a part of it. So the best we can do is provide as much information as possible. Um, unfortunately, when I have gone to court and we've, you know, we've prosecuted people and put them in, in jail, a lot of times it's people that are, you know, unfortunately they're, they're people that are homeless or displaced. Um, we know that these fraudsters will come and pick them up. They'll, you know, give them haircuts, clean them up. They'll buy them shirts, ties, whatever it may be. And then they make fake IDs for them and send them into our banks, trying to negotiate checks, trying to do online or or, I'm sorry, over the counter withdrawals. So a lot of times the people that you're actually convicting really had not much stake in this and they don't really make much money. They're usually getting a small percentage of the total sum. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. You want to put them in jail, but you're kind of like, you know, this was an, this was a crime of opportunity for somebody that has next to nothing. And we just really wish we could get the big fish. And I will say this, when we deal with these types of frauds, I always let my customers know when we catch it early, you know, right now we see you as the victim, but if you continue this activity, then we would consider you to be complicit. Right. And that's going to be a real problem for you going down the road if, if law enforcement comes, because I have an obligation to report the fraud. So, you know, I, I really encourage my customers. That's probably the only selling technique that I have to maybe encourage the customers to stop their activity. Right. When it comes to things like romance scams, things like yes. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So Eric, I I mean, obviously it, uh, as you talk about these things, you've obviously had a lot of experience with it. It seems like you really enjoy what you do and trying to help people. What's the, what's the thing that you enjoy the most working in the fraud, uh, as a fraud officer at the bank? Well, this might sound crazy, but you know, I'm, I played sports when I was young. And so there's always a level of competition out there for me. And, you know, I always kind of get excited when we stop a fraud, you know, uh, even something as small as we caught a $3,000 check that came through mobile deposit. We stopped it. We didn't take a loss. We see the customers trying to transact, but they can't because we've already frozen the accounts. That always makes me feel good. I love when we catch wire fraud. We catch more wire fraud this, we've got so much wire fraud this year, it's it's unbelievable. Um, that's due to some you know analytics that we have running in the background that help us to determine there's fraud. But stopping that fraud, um, you know, just being investigative, that's, you know, it, it kind of gets exciting when you actually investigate something and it turns out to be a real lead instead of just some false positive. So I, I just, I really get excited about that. Um, knowing that we're going to lose some and win some, you know, the best you can do is just try to, Try to have a winning record, I suppose. You're, you're probably not going to win them all, but try for that winning record and try to try to stop as much fraud as possible. Right. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we're not making it so cumbersome for the customer that they can't transact. So there's a balancing act with fraud mitigation and, and actually allowing the customer to transact. Right. Well, and hopefully through conversations like this and and just educating people on some of the the, the negative things that are out there or the scams that, that are prevalent it uh, can help that winning record uh, for you. So Eric, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and providing uh, such helpful insights. If someone has a question, they want to learn more, maybe they, maybe they feel like they're maybe in the middle of a romance scam or, or they're, they're not sure what's going on. Um, What's the best way they can get the support they need? 
Well, I mean, we have a security page on our website. Um, We also, we have government sites that folks can go out to and look at. Uh, But I would say, honestly, and I'm completely open to this, whether you're a customer of First United or not, um, I'm always open to have those conversations to to counsel people. Um, You know, you can always call our 800 number and uh, and ask for me personally. I'd be happy to speak with you on fraud-related matters. Um, I also make myself available for events to go out and speak. I mean, there's no charge for it. We do it free of charge, something the bank is very passionate about. So um, I deal with civic groups and, and uh, you know, I, I go to, I go to, I'm going to the Mary Browning Center like in a couple weeks, which is a place where older folks get together and congregate and um, just, just getting out there and getting the word out. Um, I'd be happy to, to speak with anybody about fraud. I think that, you know, I think other banks are starting to get involved in what we're doing. I don't know their level of dedication, but um, happy to speak with anybody, whether it be our customer or a, another bank's customer. Excellent. Eric Goff, Vice President and Fraud Officer at First United. Thanks again for joining us today. All right. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting mybank.com slash podcast or find us on your favorite podcast app. You can also leave feedback, ask questions, or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to podcast at mybank.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next time with more helpful content. But until then, we wish you the best in focusing on what matters most to you. First United, my bank for life. Do I have enough money to retire? Is my family protected if something happens to me? Is my plan getting me where I'm going? Are you ready if I want to be a doctor? When it comes to money, we all have questions. That's why First United Wealth Management has a team of experts ready to listen and provide solutions. First United Wealth Management. First United, my bank for life. Member FDIC.